Welcome to the Run the Tape podcast, your one-stop shop for music industry news, artist interviews, and industry hot takes from the perspective of up-and-coming independent artists. I'm your host, T. Nikki Page, all-around music fanatic and artist. Today, we talk with artists about their journey in the music industry, and we take a trip down memory lane to talk about music industry nostalgia. We ask the tough questions, like how can we bring all of our favorite aspects of music with us as the industry continues to evolve? These topics and more this week. Let's run the tape. This week in music news, Snapchat announces a new creator fund that will award independent musicians up to $100,000 per month. That's right. They launched a new sounds creator fund to financially support independent artists who are distributing their music on Snapchat via DistroKid, following the likes of TikTok, using uh, trending sounds. Starting in August, the company will distribute payments for up to 20 songs per month at $5,000 per song. So they anticipate awarding up to $100,000 in grants each month to independent artists. They told TechCrunch that its music team would select songs from emerging artists who have created songs that are driving content across the app. So this is a great opportunity for artists that are creating songs that accompany content to be posted on the Snapchat platform. Get in on it while it's hot, guys. Three months ago, SoundCloud introduced its fan-powered royalty model. And now SoundCloud has signed a global licensing deal with Warner Music Group. Under this deal, Warner Music Group will become the first major label to support payouts based upon actual listening, as opposed to a portion of total streams. So far, multiple artists have given positive feedback on the fan-powered royalty model, which contrasts with Spotify's model that calculates artist revenue based on distributing a portion of overall streams. Now, Warner will allow every artist across its own roster to be paid for on-platform streams through the fan-powered model in hopes that this new model will bring new ways to create, consume, and monetize music and hopefully pave the way for more artists to get paid more money. In Washington, D.C., Representative Jamal Bowman, Democrat from New York, and Representative Hank Johnson, Democrat from Georgia, introduced the Restoring Artistic Protection, RAP, that's the RAP Act, to limit the use of lyrics and artistic expression as evidence in criminal cases. Rep. Bowman stated that the judicial system criminalizes black and brown lives, including black and brown creativity, and that we can't imprison our talented artists for expressing their experiences, nor will we let their creativity be suppressed. This is following up against the, the charges against artists like Young Thug and Gunner earlier this year, where prosecutors heavily use evidence in their music to prosecute them for criminal cases. So this act, if passed, will restrict the ability of prosecutors in criminal cases as well as lawyers in civil cases to use song lyrics as evidence against musicians. Our first guest, Spoke, is a one-man punk band. He plays all the instruments on his tracks, from guitar, drums, keyboard, even trumpet and harmonica. He recorded his first album four years ago out of spite, but he's on his third album now, and his opening track, Come My Way, gives his own insight on how he stays authentic in the music industry and really does things his way.
anywhere yet but uh, I had a lot of trouble trying to get into a band so just out of spite I tried to do an album all by myself like record and play all the instruments and write it and I actually finished it and that was my first one then I did three more so this is my fourth one I believe this one's good enough to be, to be um, marketed out there but the problem is it it doesn't fit into any category so it keeps getting pushed aside but yeah, I've been doing music since middle school, so like 15 years now, but I only started, that was only percussion in high school, so I didn't really start picking up other instruments and learning how to write and record six years ago. Yeah, I, I did loop some of the instruments, but I played the instruments that looped. It just makes production easier and faster. So you did all you did all of the instrumentals and all the vocals as well, right? Yeah, and the writing and the recording. And the recording. Awesome. So um, do you have a favorite instrument that you play? Like a favorite part of the one yep. band band process? Because that's a pretty rare thing to find uh, in this day and age, somebody doing the whole the whole thing by themselves. I, I, I started off as a drummer, so that's still my favorite. Okay, okay. But... And what does having the the one man band sound how does that work when you're performing live i'm curious oh, oh i don't want one i don't want to perform live oh okay so i i'll show up to events and stuff but i don't want to tour that just seems it's just not what i want to do okay okay i respect that i also uh did a little research and i read that you also said that you're not interested in being a signed artist as well could you uh give me a little bit more information on that well, I tried to get signed for a long time, but they just didn't want me because I didn't fit into a category. And since I can't really go on tour, they didn't find me profitable. And that's kind of what made me write that song is like they pick up people who have a large social media following but can't do anything. So, so they keep picking those people instead of good people. So what do you think sets you apart? Because I actually think that the approach that you you came with with this like uh, uh, kind of master of many trades it actually is pretty profitable i ha it's something that i definitely have never seen before so what do you think sets you apart because no one's ever seen it before it doesn't fit into a category you can't really market it easily through like a computer algorithm so you got to do it the old school way, which costs a lot of money and a lot of risky. And they don't want to risk that when they can just do the uh, trendy, have their little kid with a big social media following, just make a crap album, put it out there, and people just watch it because they know the guy. Well, how do you feel about putting your music on social media? I, I It's on Spotify and all like the streaming services, but I just don't do social media like in the, I, I want to say traditional sense. I, 
I've never done it in my life. I think it's, I don't care about other people's lives that much. I know all their little details. And it's just a big waste of time when you do do it. You know, I try to make my stuff sound fun. And like, I also like, personally, I like sad songs that sound happy. Like, what's on your playlist? I don't have playlists. I, I just do, I just do Pandora. I, I use Pandora because I'm old. Because the algorithm's not very good on Pandora. So it shuffles songs you don't really want to hear. And that kind of brightens your horizon sometimes. But like, I listen to everything. I'm just pulling it up right now. I have Afrobeat, Afro-Cuban, Ambient, uh, Big Band Jazz, Blues, Country, Disco, EDM, Electro Swing, Funk, Go-Go. It's like DC style, Gospel, Hard Bop, Hard Rock, Hip Hop, Indie. Yeah, Jazz Hop, Lo-Fi, Metal, New Age, which is like 90s um, candy pop, but not really. Punk, Rap. Reggae, rock, soul, and old school 20s sing. And I like Go-Go because it's so percussion heavy. I, I, I plan to release an album every year just to just keep relevant. But right now I'm just trying to work in on the marketing stuff. I have a whole bunch of lyrics ready. I have ideas. I just haven't started recording yet because I've been trying to focus on this. Spokeofficial.com has my major links and contacts and stuff. Our second guests, Levi Zadoff and Dead Hendrix, are a dynamic duo that created their collaborative EP, Dead Summer, at the height of the COVID-19 pandemic during lockdown, remotely on Zoom from two different countries. It's awesome because it's a tribute to the people that they lost, and it's also a high-energy mashup of Zadoff's pop-punk emo sound and Dead Hendrix's rap-punk sound. Personally, I started as a producer like quite a long time ago um, in like seventh grade, like when I was like 14 or like 13, I was like making beats just for myself. And I was like sampling like other vocals off of different artists like that already like have made songs because I didn't have anyone to work with. And so out of that void where I didn't have anyone to work with at about ninth grade, I started like making tracks with my own vocals and producing my own tracks. And then eventually, because I grew a fan base, I was also able to produce for other people. Um, but now at this point in time, I've been able to really just hone my craft with various skill sets with my voice and writing, whether it's singing, rapping, rock, you know, pop punk, various kinds of genres. Um, and so it's basically just lots of like years in the making and like, you know, encouragement for my fan base. Um, and so now that Hendrix, how'd you start that? <laughs> uh, yeah, so I got into music through, uh, like writing actually. I always been like a gifted writer. I would write poems, short stories, you know, I was always reading, um, and then, like, around middle school, I started really getting into rap music. And I realized, you know, like, all these rappers that I'm listening to, they're just, they're just writers, you know? 
So I realized, wow, this is something I can do, you know, like maybe this is something I can do. And since like they were such inspirations to me, I also had that passion to do it. So um, kind of like I just started fucking around with GarageBand, making my own songs. And then as the years progressed, it kind of got a little more professional and more professional. Started going to studios, started releasing songs on SoundCloud. People started liking them in high school. Um, and I was doing just like rap at that point. But then um, a couple years ago, I kind of accidentally made the switch to like a more like pop punk rap style because I've, I've always loved like pop punk being a kid growing up in the 2000s and um you know i wanted to do something different and and eventually those two styles like the current trap and that 2000s pop punk kind of merged into each other and now that's what we have with the levi zeta that hendrick sound and that's what we're gonna have with um sound going on yeah i think and that's like really the essence of our like like our sound it's like i bring like a lot of the popish kind of sounds and like both of us have a punk style as well and then hendrix really brings like a really cool rock rap style to like the forefront and that's like where we merge together and make like you know like the ultimate voltron if you will yeah. Basically, I actually found Dead Hendrix on Snapchat through like through like a like somebody shouting him out on a group story, like one of his singles. And this was in like April of last year, uh or so or maybe even maybe a bit before that potentially, I'm not sure. And so I like really was like I was giving him his like metaphorical flowers. I was like, "Yo, this is really really objectively good music." And like I was like we should collab and like um i think a like like a lot of artists get that a lot but like once i sent him the open the verse like i think he checked me out and then like that's when like we both were able to be like yo like this is sick and this is something we can work with but like you know if you want to elaborate on it yeah yeah basically he sent me the open and i was actually like surprised at how good it was and um I uh, wrote the verse for that that song and I sent it back and that became Can't Be God, which is the third song on the EP, which is a great song. And that started the whole EP and the whole Dead Hendrix, Levi Zadoff thing. Low key, like, I, I don't know, like I've, I've done projects where I collaborate with like a lot of artists in the studio and... It is different in a lot of ways, um, but I think in some ways it was almost more streamlined. Um, I think when it came to yeah. like getting the rights, like for the beats and like stuff like that, like and and like marketing, that's like sometimes a bit of a shit show just because we're not both there, like being pictures and videos. But as for making the music, it was actually pretty streamlined, like in my opinion, because you know we had the space to respect our crafts and come together and like really like not be super nitpicky at each other or anything like that we were able to just kind of be truly ourselves i think that's where the authenticity comes from the project you know yeah it was actually really easy you know like 
either Levi would come up with a song and he'd send it over and I'd be like, yo, this is dope. And I'd put my spin on it or I'd come up with a song and I'd send it to Levi and he'd be like, this is sick. And he'd put his spin on it. And then after the songs were done, like we both just loved them. And it was, you know, it, it came pretty easily. So Dead Summer is like a both metaphorical meaning and a literal meaning. So the metaphorical meaning is the summer was dead over the pandemic of last year. Nothing was going on, right? It was like the summer was dead. Nothing was happening. But also the literal death that was occurring during the summer, whether it's through the actual pandemic itself, um, drug use, suicide, um, you know, violence, various things. We personally have had like friends over like just the last year while we were making the project like, and this is like a lot of like the inspiration and like the therapy about the project. We're just a lot of friends that like happen, like they happened to pass during the pandemic, like due to like consequences of it. Like I had friends that had committed suicide and friends that OD'd and Dead Hendrix had like, like a really close friend that also OD'd, you know, and, and God bless all their souls. Right. Um, but like to, yeah. to make this music was therapy to us, but that's the meaning. It's like the metaphorical like death of summer, as well as the literal death that was occurring that whole summer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All, all our friends who, who passed during the pandemic are huge inspirations to, to the project. And I hope like them looking down can see what a big impact they have on the project. Um, so yeah, big shout out to them. Uh, shout out to RJ, my, my, my close friend who died from a fentanyl overdose last summer. Um, and I think the name just kind of like the name dead summer came around when, uh, when, when we were just, you know, it was last summer, everything was locked down, you know, um, and I was just sitting in a hot ass, hot ass house all alone, you know, like no AC. And the words kind of just came to me, and I sent, and I, and I, and I told, I told Levi, you know, like, what about Dead Summer? And it just kind of clicked, and like, so many ideas were able to be built around just those two words. We get the question a lot, like, is there gonna be more Dead Hendrix and Levi Zadoff? like abs in the future there definitely will whether it's a single or another tape um i'm currently working on a solo project that will drop sometime in the future uh but levi's already got a couple songs on that as a as levi said we're both a google verified artists so if you want to find our social media platforms like or our music platforms you could just google either of us you know our next guest jake love is here to talk about his soundtrack for summer his upcoming upbeat new ep power chair we got love letters, but you ain't no forgetter. Probably had some bag with you. Girl, you are a trendsetter, and you got no man with you. You know, I can't stand with it. Trying to be the one that means the most to. So, I've always liked music for sure. Um, I'd say I started professionally 
recording stuff, probably around like the age of 17, maybe just freestyle with friends and people like that. And then I got almost like obsessed with it and people would throw me topics and stuff like that during a freestyle. And then eventually I just started recording my music and the rest is history. Right. I took singing lessons probably a few years ago. That's when I started. Um, I guess early on from professionally recording the music, I just started adding melodies and stuff like that to the songs and just wanted to keep making the best music I could. So I was always willing to change up the game plan. I was ready to put out a project. I was ready to drop an album. Um, I uh, thought it was time to do more than just uh, drop some singles. I wanted to have a body of work out that um, people could listen to. Do you have any favorite tracks off of the project? No complaints. I like love letters. I like um, out of control. And uh, I also like uh, same old thing. That one's really good too. It just came really naturally. And um, I just, it just really fit on the track. So I feel like I'm constantly changing like my music taste on what I like to listen to outside of my own music. So it varies based on the year and it's like, or maybe even the month. So as of now, I've just been really into Latin music actually this last month. I really okay. like Carol G. Um, that song Provenza by her. It's really, really awesome. Uh, that's about it really. I mean, other stuff back in the day, I used to really like Isaiah Rashad. Um, he's from TDE. He had a project called the Silva Demo or Silva Project or something. And I really liked that back in the day. Um, that inspired me a lot when I was growing up. I've actually been shooting a music video this past week. And um, I'm going to drop a music video for No Complaints next week. So I'm uh, really excited for that. So I've been keeping updates, BTS footage, all that stuff on my Instagram and TikTok. And um, the video is going to be on YouTube, of course. So for sure. And I've also dropped a music video about two weeks ago, I'd say. Um, for love letters so that's been doing really well and um, I've gotten some great feedback from that as well In other music news, the Beehive is buzzing and up in arms because fans in France have already gotten access to the Renaissance album that's set to drop on July 29th and I've leaked some tracks from the album already. Apparently Renaissance is already available for purchase in France in the form of CD uh, and some French fans tweeted photos saying that they had the album already and it's already making its rounds on the internet. Um, some some people are listening to it and some people are, are upset and they say, wait for the whole album, respect Beyonce's wishes. What do you think? We're in an era now where things drop pretty quickly and are consumed quickly on streaming platforms. But there was a time where albums and, and songs leaked all the time and it wasn't a huge deal. I think that no matter what, it probably generates a little bit of buzz for Beyonce. Not that she needs it. You know, people are already saving up for this tour that she hasn't announced yet. They've already got Ivy Park collection funds saved. 
So I think that Beyonce is Beyonce and she's going to do well no matter what. And if songs have leaked, I personally haven't listened to them, but if the songs have leaked, it's not going to have any effect on how well her album does. LimeWire, we haven't heard that name in a while. They launched a marketplace with Travis Barker, Brandy, Dylan Francis, and more. They say that they're committed to lowering the barrier of access into the NFT ecosystem for both artists and collectors, which includes taking away some of those technical hurdles and introducing a simpler approach to make sure the NFTs can be mainstream ready. This initial set of collections represents a wide range of artists, and it'll include original tracks, artwork, in-person experiences like backstage passes and meet and greets. And it'll also be a place where collectors can create and purchase exclusive unreleased music, video content, digital artwork, the whole nine yards. Legendary drummer Travis Barker is releasing his first collection on LimeWire and it features behind the scenes footage of him working in the studio. It gives his fans a firsthand look at his creative process and he's also releasing an exclusive 101 NFT that's a 3D model of his drum set that he uses during concerts and at his house. Brandy legendary as well, is also partnering with LimeWire for an NFT collection. Her drop features a collaborative flower bouquet NFT that has an accompanying spoken word content that's all about Brandy speaking about mental health. So I will be sure to check that out because I haven't heard anything about LimeWire in quite a while. Speaking of LimeWire, this week around the round table, we are talking about music nostalgia. Which aspect of the music industry from the past would you bring into the present? Let's hear what our guests have to say. This is The Common Denominator. I, I kind of miss LimeWire, if that makes sense. Um, just like back in the day just downloading all your favorite tracks and then like uploading them onto like an ipod or something like that it's very old school of a thought now but um stuff like that is pretty nostalgic to me i'd say i feel like it's almost blasphemous for me to uh like mention illegally downloading music as an artist but i do miss it i do miss limeware can't lie um i think what i would bring back is the authenticity of like the era of I think 2011 until 2014 2011 like when Mac Miller was dropping faces and like when Kendrick dropped like Good Kid Mad City um and like Schoolboy Q was popping and like ASAP Rocky was just coming out like I don't know how to word what that essence is but what that was that steez that authenticity that like just like everyone can be themselves coexist and we're all fucking dope that is the thing that i want to bring back because i feel like for some reason or another nothing specific made that go away but it's not as in the forefront right now yeah yo that's crazy that levi said that because i wasn't even thinking that but that's like like my favorite era of rap music but um for me i guess i like i've said it like uh, before just on this interview but like um that old that old early 2000s pop punk stuff you know and I think that's like what we're trying to do you know 
cause cause there's so many kids who grew up in that era who grew up just like always hearing that music who have like deep down a certain love for that music and um i think we're gonna see a lot of 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 more like 2000s pop punk mixed with the current trap stuff well yeah definitely but like it's not like okay um rock the rock music that's making it now is just nostalgia from 20 30 years ago so the people are trying to relive their youth but in like a new sense but i think the reason rock died is because it stopped becoming fun and it took itself too seriously and that's what gave rap you know rap's fun it's does try to say a political message but that's what overtook it but yeah rock has been like american staple for like 70 plus years except the past 20 years were kind of just fizzled out compared to rap so i think since it's been going on for so long it can easily come back if it decided to be fun party music and not just i'm too seriously brooding with my, my big beard and flannel with my arms crossed in the music video the entire time because <laughs> you see that way too often now bring back kiss we're actually trying to put on the show so i think that's what we're trying to do is bring back that that early 2000 pop punk vibe because i remember that being such like an influence on me as a little kid like i thought they were like the coolest people ever i wanted to look just like them you know like so, and I think we're, it's like over the next few years, like a lot of that's going to be coming out because I know there's a lot of kids who grew up in that era who are kind of feeling the same way, you know? What part of music culture from the past would you bring into the present? Personally, I would bring back having my music on some sort of physical device that I could treat like a collector's item, like CDs and cassettes and vinyls without having to make a playlist. Bring back the mixtape. Bring back music video countdown shows. Bring back super futuristic, elaborate music videos that we all wait in front of the television to see. Bring back music videos on TV. Those are the things that I would bring back. What would you bring back? Thanks for listening. Join us next week on Run the Tape as we cover more music news, talk about more independent artists, and have more roundtable discussions about the one thing that unites us all, the universal language of music. Until next week, keep good music alive, folks. <laughs>